0: Welcome to a new episode of the Open Source System Podcast. Uh, every two weeks, we talk about open source news and interesting open source projects. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Player FM, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, Pod Directory, and everywhere else. You can give us feedback and suggest open source projects in the issue tracker. Just visit GitHub.com/open-source-system-podcasts. Um, I'm Vlad, and today we got Mike. Hello. And also Kyle is back. Hello again. Welcome back, everyone, or, yes, I want to say welcome back from the holidays, but uh, I just <laughs> talked about this.
1: We, we don't celebrate
0: holidays. We don't talk about the holidays. No. What happens? It's too much too much
1: open source to read and write.
0: Yeah, t- I tried to schedule the podcast, but then I'm like, I'm going to use this app to schedule, and I'm going to give people times and just check, check the times you're available, and then uh, it was just, it was not working. The open web failed me. <laughs> once again once again I, nobody built an app they could possibly use um, um, yeah so while we were away and uh, Apple released Swift, uh, Swift is not open source, I believe we talked about uh, this strange thing where they said there's going to be open source soon but no one knew any of the deadlines and uh, I guess right before the year ended they 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 kept their promise and uh, open-sourced uh, Swift. It's on GitHub slash Apple slash Swift. Yeah, at, at the buzzer.
2: They uh, they did it. So um, I think I was giving them trouble about this. So, uh, you know, good job, Swift. It's open source. They did
0: yeah, it. I'm, I'm happy Apple listens to this podcast out of all the podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm,
2: I'm pretty sure that's exactly why they, they you know, say, okay, we just got to pull the trigger. No more code cleanup. Uh, just Just do it. Just release it.
0: Yeah, yeah, they heard Kyle said, "Wait a minute, I didn't see Swift open source." And they're like, wait, we forgot to uh, to make the repo public. <laughs> and that's what happened. Uh, so it's already got 25,000 stars on GitHub. Uh, wow. It's also available at swift.org. Um, and uh, yeah, 250 contributors. I wonder if that's a sort of a good number for a programming language. 250 contributors. Two hundred and fifty contributors. Let's let's see. Rust has uh, twelve hundred. Holy moly! So. <laughs> Almost uh, uh thirteen hundred. So, but less stars. So I'm not sure. Well, how many employees
2: are, are at uh
0: Mozilla? Around uh, thousand, I think.
1: Oh well, there you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how many employees are at Apple? Uh, I don't know what you oh, mean. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true.
2: <laughs> 30,000. <laughs> 30,
0: 30,
2: <laughs> that we know you about. They have more contributors then. I mean, they have like 31,000 commits. They can just have each employee do one commit.
0: Yep, that would uh, totally be useful and uh, healthy for the project. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now I noticed that they don't use uh, GitHub issues. Um,
1: oh yeah, so they're using they're using Jira, right? Oh really? Yeah.
2: Oh, okay. Well, that's so Apple. You know, I know you're listening. Uh, use GitHub issues, you know? If you're, if you're gonna open source on GitHub, just just go all in. I I always hate when they have, like, the issues in some other place, you know? So
0: just do it.
2: Yeah, yeah I'm trying to
0: find where you can file the bug, and you go to it's... bugs.swift.org.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a Jira instance, but then they also recommend that you also use the Apple bug reporter. So that seems a little confusing.
2: i up with a bunch of bugs, then, I guess.
1: Well, one thing that was surprising to me is uh, Linux is actually supported, so I thought it would be a Mac-only type thing, but uh, you, can, you can totally compile this and uh, get it running on, on Ubuntu. That's cool. Yeah. So you don't necessarily need Xcode in a Mac to, to hack on Swift. That's really cool.
0: Interesting, yeah, so I'm happy to see the bugs are, at least you can find the bugs, and uh, if you search for Swift issues, you'll find your way. Cool, so I'm excited to see what comes out of this, Uh, if we are going to see more apps using Swift. I know we talked about in our previous episodes, we talked about a server framework using Swift, so...
2: Yeah, perfect. Um, I'm sure they're pretty uh, stoked about it finally happening, so... Yeah, the so we'll the whole platform was based on it. So.
0: We'll see if it's going to be a perfect year for Swift <laughs> 2016. Right, so that's Swift. It's on GitHub. Check it out.
1: <laughs> Next
0: up, uh, we've got Kinto. Uh, and you can find Kinto at kinto.read.docs.org or on github.com slash Kinto. Now, this is sort of a Mozilla project. A bunch of Mozillians work on this. Uh, And uh, it's a lightweight JSON storage service with synchronization and sharing abilities. Um, Now, is this
2: similar to uh, Falcor, that Netflix thing that we we talked about before?
0: No, not at all, I think. Falcor was uh, helping with uh, sort of API development, I believe. Hmm, okay. Uh, This is more like Firebase or... um... It's like a
1: CouchDB type thing. Ah, okay,
0: okay. Yeah, or like Parse, uh, the thing about this is, uh, I guess it's open source comparing to those, it, it, they're still working on sort of feature parity there where uh, it doesn't have a visual viewer or uh, visual editor yet, uh, something you sort of expect with from Firebase and Parse, but... Uh,
2: well, I don't know, I'm, I'm looking at their comparison table and it looks like they have everything on the list there compared to everything else, oh, except for revision history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. I always like these uh, these comparison tables because, like, the project that makes them always makes the list of things to check off, and of course, the other projects don't have some of those things. Yeah. But it's it's good of them to actually put in revision history, uh, which Hoodie has, and um, and they don't. So kudos to them.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you can you can find if you want to compare Kinto with. Uh... Parse, Firebase, CouchDB, and as Kyle mentioned, Hoodie. Yeah, you can find that table on the overview page uh, at kinto.readthedogs.org. Yeah, so uh, if you're sort of looking to build uh, uh, offline apps, anything that sort of has to deal with uh, syncing, uh, sort of state and so on... um, or like something for the hackathon, a quick project to give you a, a data store, and you want to use an open source solution. Kinto is uh, something you might uh, take a look at. I remember when I uh, first looked at this project, it had uh, I think around 60 stars on GitHub, and now it's it's got a thousand. So. Oh, nice. Uh, so it'd be pretty going pretty good. Yeah. Have you have you played around with it at all? Uh, just a tiny bit. I saw a few yeah. demos and uh, sort of went to the docs and uh, tried it out there. But uh, yeah, something maybe for the next project where. Uh, Maybe the next hackathon I work uh, on, uh, I'll go with this. Just go and try Kinto for the most part. Cool. Uh, the next thing is
2: JX Core, um, and so JX Core extends Node.js, and it adds some additional features to it, uh, but specifically for developing mobile and embedded applications um, using JavaScript and leveraging the Node ecosystem.
0: So what what makes this better than Node? Kind of, Honestly, why did they do this? I don't know.
2: You know, like, <laughs> I'm sure they have some reasons. Uh, it's 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 kind of like a, I guess a, you can call it a fork of node, mm-hmm. um, and so um, they've added a lot of interesting things. Um, so like it's um, it's multi-threaded, um, oh. which is either like a really cool thing or a really really bad thing, um, <laughs> depending on uh, how you deal with concurrency issues. So, um, yeah. So I mean, I don't I don't know. I'm not too familiar with this project I haven't really uh, dove deep into it um, I mean it seems really interesting it seems like um, they're um, they're mostly gearing towards packaging apps uh, specifically for mobile platforms um, which I believe right now they support um, iOS and Android and pretty soon uh, Windows devices uh, which is pretty cool
0: so I think they I guess they they worked on the support for different architectures and uh, so supporting for arm and uh... Uh, ARM uh, different versions of ARM, and you know, also they're planning to uh, plan to have Power Seven, Power Eight uh, architecture support. I'm not sure who's going to be publishing on that, but um,
2: <laughs> well, they, they also support Windows XP, which is uh, <laughs> you know yeah. a, an interesting target.
0: Yeah, XP plus. So yeah, it's something to try out if sort of you had a if you ever had a question it's like oh what if, can I make an Android app and use my favorite Node.js APIs, maybe JX Core. Um, it's on github.com slash GX Core. Uh, it's something, uh, something to try out.
2: Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting on how um, they took Node.js and, and forked it, um, as opposed to just, you know, building their own implementation, um, as we've seen others do um, with, uh, you know, JavaScript uh, engines. Um, I think it's kind of cool, you know. it's uh, I guess instead of doing your your entire new thing, you know, like a, a Node.js uh, alternative, you, you know, you just use the existing uh, existing things out there and just extend on it.
1: But I haven't quite figured it out, but I mean, it, so they say they've got support for uh, Chakra, Spider Monkey, and V8. So I guess you can swap in or out. Different yeah, ch- I have no idea how they do that. Which is which is. Potentially really interesting. Um, it yeah, seems that... like
2: some kind of Frankenstein of of, of of a project. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm curious to just play around with it. Uh, I mean, some of the things that uh, they they describe that it can do, um, I mean, seems super powerful, but seems super super sc- scary, you know. So I,
1: I'm curious to play around with it a lot more. I think I think that's a pretty. Good description of Frankenstein. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I want How to see powerful
1: them. and scary.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of, I was a bit surprised to see Spider Monkey in there, because um, it's just like, oh, Evented IO. It's like Chucker check, and V8 sort of compatible, but Spider Monkey. I don't, I don't think I've seen a good uh, way of using the same Node APIs with Spider Monkey. So uh, we'll see. I, I definitely something to try out. And if you're interested in sort of all these weird node uh, implementations and projects, it's something to check out. Uh, it's still kind of a, a new project, uh, It's a version of zero, 0.3, and I believe it's were open source recently, so.
2: Well, I guess, you know, like, this would be, like, good for somebody who, you know, say you have a whole bunch of JavaScript that you want to run, but you're building, like, a native app, and you just need a, a good engine to run those. Um, I mean, would this be a good option for something like that? That's,
1: that's what I think the use case is, right? The, the primary
2: use case for it, like, no. basically just like open open the door for uh, for JavaScript code to run uh, in a more native way. I guess. Yes, something Could like that. Be. Something. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, yeah, one thing I'm looking at here: the the current documentation is synchronized with Node 0.10, so I wonder if uh, I wonder if they need to update that to support at least 0, 0.12 or 4. Um, because zero uh, ten is getting out of date, so something to uh, to look at. Totally.
2: Although that is the most stable node, right? Isn't that what <laughs> everyone's still on? I mean, I mean, just like the most people, they 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 they're uh, they're staying on node ten. It seems. Yeah, yeah I recently
0: moved all my stuff to f- node four, so pretty happy about that. Uh, still yeah. a few, so. um, but,
2: but you and I are cutting edge, though. So. I'm I'm still on point ten. So <laughs> come on, Mike. In a future episode. Well, Mike, did you ever go to um, IOJS?
1: No, never. No. no, no. I, thought, I, I didn't know if that, <laughs> if that was going to be a thing or not. Yeah. And it kind of happened and went away. And, good yeah. choice. Good choice.
0: Yeah. Cool. All right. So that's JX uh, Core, and we'll have a link to it in our show notes. Next up, Mike. What is this? A personal music streaming server?
1: So, I don't know how to pronounce this, like, a uh, Cole or Kale or Coel. Coel. It's, uh, it's, uh it, it, it looks pretty cool. So this is like a, it's, it's a streaming music server and a front-end application. It's written in PHP. Um, it kind of looks a little bit like the UI looks a little bit like Spotify. Oh, yeah. Uh, some of the recent Spotify designs. So you basically have your, your own personal music streamer, uh, Music server and it's got mobile clients and uh, desktop clients and uh, I don't I guess it's it's web so uh, yeah it looks it looks pretty cool um, if you want to have your own setup and and serve your own MP3s that you totally paid for and did not pirate
0: <laughs> yeah it's definitely something uh, I don't know what the state of the APIs uh, is for uh... Spotify, Google Music, and so on, Apple Music. But uh, uh, maybe in the future, you can sort of have this own server, but pipe in like Spotify uh, stuff into it. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, one one cool thing is, you know, like the the UI. It's all built in web tech. So, like, if if you don't love, for example, Spotify's UI, like various redesigns, right? This is something you can hack and, and get it to do what you want. So um, I don't know much PHP for the same side stuff, but the front end is all just, like, Flexbox and, and modern JavaScript, so...
2: Yeah, I think they're using um, LoRavel for the, uh, the PHP site. That's the framework. And then uh, Vue for the, uh, the front end. I really like how they say this one, you know, like, a, a personal mu- music streaming server that works. So like you know like this one
1: works as opposed to the other ones that don't work. Oh man.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I wonder what the. I guess the, the developer was frustrated with all the previous attempts. Just like okay, I'm gonna make one that works. Yeah, I know in some of the screenshots they show that uh, it works on desktop and mobile, on iPad and so on. So. And and by the way, the
2: you know whoever this developer is, is like I mean, or whoever's responsible for it, they're a really great designer. The mm-hmm. site, the app, everything is, like, well-designed. Yeah, it's like...
0: Yeah, so from the, so from requirements uh, on installation uh, on your own server, you'll need a PHP, MySQL, or MariaDB, a, uh, and a capable web server, and a modern browser. And the installation looks pretty simple. Uh, so what it does, uh, it scans for music. Instead of uploading music, it uh, will uh, scan a readable directory on your server, and, uh, yeah, and you just point it at a media path, and it will scan it and add a bunch of songs. So it's, it's pretty good in terms of that. Uh, if you have a, a VPS or something with a bunch of space, why not use it for music or something?
2: Yeah, and I noticed, too, their issue tractor has a lot of, uh, um, you know, easy help-wanted tagged issues. So if you're looking for a, a nice PHP and uh, uh, Vue JavaScript framework framework, uh, application to jump into and, and contribute to, this would be a good one.
0: Yeah, definitely something to show off, uh, maybe like if you send a pull request to this project and say, hey, I implemented this feature to this awesome self-hosted music player. Uh, uh, it's got 5,000 stars on GitHub, and uh, yeah, it's it's doing pretty well. Um, so that's, uh, we'll have a link to uh, to it in our show notes, but you can find it at github.com slash P-H-A-N-A-N slash K-O-E-L. Um, definitely pronouncing these things is the hardest thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think he, he named it Koel because it's the name, or it, it, quote, it's because it's the name of the freaking bird that sings nonstop near my place.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I would rather, I don't know, call it uh, something like...
2: Music dash player.
0: <laughs> Notify or something? Yeah. Notify. That's,
1: that's why you don't work in marketing, Vlad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, well, RDO shut down, so why not use RDO? Uh,
1: there you go. Wait, RDO shut down?
0: Uh, soon, I think. <laughs>
1: yeah, RDO's toast.
2: Wow. Well, it's a good thing I always talk with Spotify, huh? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it seems to be... Uh, you can just go and download your active collection and do go somewhere with that collection. Oh, interesting. Go straight to to Coil. Good. Importing (laughs) our music into (laughs) Coil.
2: Yeah. See that, that would be a great feature to, uh, to implement on this project if you're listening. Okay. If you're not, then why are you listening to this podcast?
1: Or not? (laughs) Because these these are really hard questions.
0: (laughs) Yeah, cool. So we'll have a link to our show notes. Check out the website uh, from our from our notes. And uh, maybe you'll have a, you'll have your own music server by the time you listen to the next episode. <laughs> now the next project is called TLDR-pages. It's at github.com slash TLDR-pages slash TLDR. And it's uh, simplified and community-driven man pages. now if you go to tldr pagesgithubio you can try out the live demo right away and uh, search for tldr... Uh, to your favorite command. One one I tried was wget, uh, and it showed me examples for sort of a uh, quick examples of how to use wget.
1: It's 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 cool. I mean, you you definitely can get lost in man pages, right? Like when there's a billion options um, and you're just like scrolling through trying to find the one option you care about so
0: this is kind of neat so they got clients they got a web client no Js client Ruby Python C++ and the Android client you can download it on Google Play um, so I'm wondering like did the did the man pages fail us and now we need another project to sort of organize those things yeah you know
2: I, I've never had an issue with man pages um, I mean, I guess they're not that accessible. I mean, you, like, you do a Google search and you find some random, you know, like, BSD ugly-looking template of the man page. Um, So, I mean, I guess that's cool. Uh, um, I think one of my favorite things, though, about this repo in particular is that they have a section on what does TLDR mean. And, I mean, I thought it was pretty simple. Like, I mean, you know, if if you uh, are not hip with the kids, I mean it stands for too long, didn't read. Yeah. I mean, that's like end of the story. It doesn't mean anything longer than that. But they go on um, to explain that it originates from internet slang, in case you weren't sure of that. And then they even have a a link to a Wikipedia article, just in case you want to go into more in depth, like you're doing a research paper on TLDR.
0: Yeah. (laughs) They should really TLDR their readme. uh, (laughs) Because I was already bored reading it here. uh, (laughs) <laughs> what are your thoughts on this project, Mike?
1: Um, I think it's cool. I mean, e- like man is still there. Tldr, maybe you just need a quick and dirty. You just want to figure out how to use something. Um, if if you happen to try a project that they don't have documentation for, they'll it'll say consider contributing pull request, and uh, you can you can author it yourself. So it's it's neat. I might not remember that I installed it. <laughs> um so I'll let you know if I ended up if I ended up ever using it
0: what I'm curious about is how does it keep uh, keep the collection updated or does it go online and search for it
1: yeah it, it seems like uh, I don't know but I've just been trying random commands right now and it it seems like there's a little delay like it's making an HTTP request in the background interesting I mean it might have a local cache but it
0: so yeah, if you want to if you want to contribute to TLDR, it's pretty easy. Uh, they have a pages uh, directory in the project and that has like a common. Uh, it has a Linux OS X and uh, uh, sort of a uh, common uh, common commands that uh, are sort of Unixy commands, and you can just uh, submit a Markdown file or fix it if you find it an, an, an issue. And uh, I find I'm not sure I'm not I'm not sure if this is sort of the best way to organize these things, but uh, you know maybe a central repo with all the bunch of markdown files that are linked to a command is the way to go.
1: Yeah, it's I mean it's it's an interesting experiment. We'll see if it. I mean it really just depends on the users, right? Like if it's it's like a wiki, if if people are using it and contributing like MDN, then it's great if it it kind of just sits there and it's the content is crappy and it'll just kind of disappear.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm seeing that they already got almost 60 PRs and... Uh,
2: um, Which for you non-hip kids, that means pull request. Oh, yeah, sorry.
0: <laughs> but uh, uh, so they've got a lot of comments on them. So it was like... Uh, on average, there's, like, ten comments on every PR, so um, they're kind of slowly approving. There seems like a huge community behind this, so I'm a bit and worried that there's maybe not enough people who can actually merge the PRs. Maybe some of them will go stale, but...
2: Uh, yeah, it's really interesting on how they have more PRs open uh, than issues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 17 issues and 59 uh, pull requests, so... Uh, the next thing is a really cool project, Uh, it's called Shadow.
0: Um,
2: You can find that at github.com slash shadow, shadow. Oh man. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs)
0: Um,
2: and it's a cool project too. Um, So Shadow is a unique discrete event network simulator that runs on applications like Tor uh, and distributed systems. So basically it it simulates a a Tor uh, network or a Bitcoin network, uh, you know, these, these distributed networks. Um, so, I mean, like, if you're going to test some stuff, you wouldn't want to test stuff in, like, a live Tor network. Uh, you know, it'd risk user privacy and uh, and all kinds of bad things. And so this simulates one, um, so you can run some tests and experiments in in these kind of uh, network uh, environments.
0: Now, Mike, you're usually good at coming up with the examples for these things. Oh, man. Why would you <laughs> want to simulate a network? <laughs>
1: So, so that's actually what I was gonna ask, um, Kyle, because <laughs> I was trying to figure out like what the use case is for this. Um, well,
2: I mean, I mean, think, like, so if you have a, a, a network such as this, um, like a Tor network or a Bitcoin network, right? Like you're developing, you, you, you're doing, you're running things on, on it, you wouldn't want to, um, you know, introduce things to that network that, co- that affects the actual one because the network itself is self staining right? It's it's based on all the nodes together. There's not like a single central place that controls everything. So as soon as you introduce something to the live network, then you're altering it. So it's it's really hard to test that way. And so using simulating it, uh, you can run experiments and tests um, on that network without affecting it. So you can do you know proper research on it.
0: Right. So it's more of a more of a research project, and the, the, there's a huge white paper about this. Um, let me just check if it's huge or not. Yeah, it's pretty huge. Uh, let's, see. <laughs> <laughs> let's just scroll the white paper a bit. But uh, the, the goal of the white paper is to sort of check, uh, uh, test out new design proposals uh, of improving the Tor network and adjusting it. Um, so it seems like uh, if you want to understand and uh, sort of uh, evolve. These Tor networks is this is a project. Uh, um, I'm really happy with the, the the site they built for this. Um, it's like the site is uh, sort of mentions all the instructions, all the, has all the download buttons and. Uh, um, they also mentioned that it, Shadow works with Tor and Bitcoin, mm-hmm. and it's easy for beginners to get started with this. So if sort of, if you want to understand how Tor works and sort of analyze some of the stuff that's going on in that network, um, definitely a cool project to check out.
1: Yeah, I see uh, on, the, on their page they kind of have a, a group of people who are using Shadow, and it's it looks like it's all universities um, and then the Naval Research Lab. So, who knows what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Playing a, a big game of Battleship.
1: <laughs> <Just> distributed uh, <laughs> torpedoes.
0: Torpedoes. <That's> <laughs> um, cool, yeah, so if, uh, if, if you start running Shadow, it will run at 100% CPU. It's, uh, so that, it's continuously processing and simulating events as fast as possible. Uh, but it's, it's definitely something sort of, if you want to visualize uh, how the Tor network looks like, I would definitely suggest this. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's got uh, eight contributors and plenty of commits and two stars on GitHub. So if you're interested in uh, these discrete event network simulations, that's something for you. Oh, Kyle, what's our next thing? I know you like to talk about pixel art. Yeah, I, I do like pixel art. Uh,
2: so I don't know how to say it. I guess asprite. <laughs> a
0: asprite. Asprite. Probably yeah. If 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 I if I was making a sprite. Oh, a uh, sprite. No a sprite. Yeah, S-separate? I think I think I the know. goal is the goal is to because it's a sprite editor. Oh, actually, on the homepage here,
2: it actually has how to say it. Which I, I encourage every um, every if you're listening and you manage a project, say how to say it because we m- you know mangle up every single name that we say on this show. Um, yeah,
0: actually I don't I don't even know how to say that
2: I do not I S P R I. I don't I don't get it.
0: Oh, um, you can click on it and it has the audio. Here we go. It's
2: Acepride. Okay. Yeah. listen to it. Well, anyways. Um, so, (laughs) it's an animated sprite editor and pixel art tool, um, so maybe I just, I just don't know how to speak, maybe that's the problem. Um, so it's just a, it's a tool for generating, um, pixel art and, and animating it, and so like you can do like onion skin and create, uh, frames for your pixel art and make really cool pixel animations, um, and so it's just a really cool, uh. Cool program if you're if you're really into a pixel art, um, and and animations or games um, that look like uh, you know they're from the '90s. Yeah, it looks,
0: yeah. If you watch the video, it looks really really professional.
1: Yeah, the video is awesome.
0: <laughs> and what I love about the UI is that the UI itself is like eight bit. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, you might as well. You know, you got to feel motivated. You got to feel inspired. You know.
0: It's like I'm gonna make inspired. a sprite editor. And I'm going to, the UI is going to be sprites as well. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, one thing I saw uh, with this project is you can download it. Uh, I'm not sure what you call that kind of software. Is that uh, You have to pay to download, but you can build it uh, yourself for free. Oh, interesting. So it's kind of buildware. I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Donationware. Well, yeah. with donationware I assume you you can say zero dollars, but with this yeah. uh, Build Yourself Wear, um, something to look at. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 also on Steam and and the, the Greenlight program, so you can vote up on Greenlight. Um, oh, nice! That's cool. And uh, yeah, so you get a Steam key if you buy it on. Uh, on the site or you can just uh, build it yourself and there's plenty of instructions how to build it. And uh, it's got it's a Photoshop level interface so you can organize your layers, animate things like flash and uh, uh, tag certain frames and yeah, maybe make uh, even make simple GIFs with those sprites.
2: Yeah, I saw that too. Like they have like, you can create sprite sheets um, and I thought it was cool they had that data recovery thing so, you know, if you're working on something and the whole thing crashes, for whatever reason, um, it keeps a, a backup so you can recover those uh, that, that work. So that's
1: that's a pretty nice feature. Lots of uh, C++, C. Oh, yeah, we should
2: mention Objective
1: that. Objective C, lots of Cs. Seems like oh. they just
2: used every type of, uh, every flavor of C.
1: Yeah, Objective C++, and then GitHub thinks there's some Mathematica, but it's really <laughs> not. It's like an Objective C.M file or something like
0: that. <laughs> One thing I heard about this project is it's... Uh, very well-organized uh, C++ project. Oh. So uh, if you're looking into seeing how C++ software works and is uh, structured uh, or want to contribute to it, uh, this is something, uh, uh, you know, besides making sprites, you can uh, make software and help, help this project.
2: Yeah, with uh, 300 issues, um, they certainly can use some help, too.
0: You can uh, load and save sequences in PNG and GIF formats and the other sort of... Uh, Sketchy formats like BMP. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so, so, so sketchy. So sketchy BMP. Not not PCX though. That, that one, PCX and TGA are pretty good formats.
1: Yeah. So uh, the next one is the free GIP. Um, ah yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is a project by an individual called uh, Fiorix from from Toronto, Canada.
2: Um do I know somebody from uh, Toronto?
1: Nope nope <laughs> um, And uh, yeah it's it's a uh, it's a server you can you can get running uh, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting it has it has its own data set um, but it seems to be configurable so you can pump it you know load it with your own data um, but yeah it's it's basically a server that provides an API that you can look up IP addresses and get geolocation coordinates.
0: Yeah, it seems to be, like, the cool thing for uh, getting the location... uh, getting a location... What do you call them? Location API server running. It's written in Go. Uh, It also has a website, freegeoip.net, and... yeah, so you, you you start up the Go server, get your own data set. Um, yeah, I, I
2: actually I tried it on my IP. Yeah. Um and it got pretty close to my house, but not my house. So you know if you're planning on using this to murder me by geolocating my IP,
1: <laughs> yeah. just be careful because you'll just probably get the wrong house. Keep <laughs> using it. That's it's the right one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, uh, pretty cool. Have have you ever have you guys ever felt the need to know where your desserts are coming from? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah,
2: it's it's a little it's it's borderline creepy, you know. Like, um, I mean, I, I I was having some trouble be, beyond just uh, satisfying curiosity, like finding like you know some applicable reasons you would you would use this. Um, but I mean, it seems just kind of like. Curious of, like, you know, where is this person? Where is this IP located?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely useful for, I guess, uh, analytics type stuff. Mm-hmm. Like understanding where your audience is and, and where your user are coming from. That can be useful for, I don't know, if you're trying to focus where your localization and internationalization effort should be prioritized. Um, but... I don't really work on any apps like that, so...
0: Yeah, so definitely for metrics purposes or something, if you want to know where your user is coming from and you don't want to trust your... Uh, trust Google Analytics or something, or services like that, and you want to run everything your own, uh, this is something to check out.
1: Uh, or if you're, I don't know, running Netflix and you need to do some crazy, like, geofencing <laughs> of <to> DRM, <that>
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, so uh, this project is, it's got 2,000 stars on GitHub. Um, it's uh, 100%, well, 83% Go. There's a bit of HTML, but uh, most of it is Go. And uh, yeah, um, check it out. And it's also, it's got a donate button here. So if you want to, if you use this project a lot, always get to donate to the developers and uh, help them out.
2: Uh, next up, we got Lecter, uh, which is a static website generator. Ah, uh, Yeah. It's built uh, with Python and Node.js. Uh, uh, don't let the Node.js fool you; it's only really used uh, what it seems to be to to build um, the the
0: front end of the app. What's interesting uh, is uh, this project is by Armin. By Armin, and he, with a last name. He has got a last name. Check it out. Uh, but uh, <laughs> what's cool though, he it's the same person who made Flask. The 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 micro framework for Python.
1: Um, yeah, not not just flat like Flash, Jinja uh, works. I don't know how to pronounce that. Like <laughs> all these really popular Python HTTP libraries and framework.
0: Yeah, that's so why I've added this project to our yeah. to our list to talk about. Is because uh, it seems like uh, this, this thing is gonna be popular um, in the Python world.
1: It's it's kind of interesting because it's at first when I saw it I was like oh neat another static site generator but it's it's a little bit different because it's a static CMS right so you can you can use this admin interface and it's it looks a little bit like you know a differently styled wordpress you're editing the the content etc and you save it but everything gets saved to a flat like flat files there's no database involved um that, I'm, I'm actually curious to see what's going on under the hood. I want to go back and check this out.
0: Yeah, and uh, the website itself uh, is open source and built with this framework, so uh, there's definitely, besides the website, there's, like, several examples of this already being used. Uh, there's a whole showcase section, um, and it seems like... Uh, from from what I've seen, like people try using static site generators to actually do this thing, or sort of cheating, have like a have like a fake CMS on top of it. Or maybe so this is maybe it solves a good problem.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess you're just doing like file I/O, right? That's your your CMS, but uh, I mean, seems super portable, right? If you need to move your stuff from one host to the other, you just rsync your, your whole CMS.
0: Right. Yeah. So one of the first features they mention is that you can deploy it anywhere. Uh, builds out as you mentioned to static HTML, deploy it to GitHub Pages, S3, whatever you want. Uh, prom- they promise uh, Linux OS 10 and Windows support, and uh, 100% file-based, flat file database. Um, there's a plugin system, which is would be cool, and uh, obviously a Python API um, to uh, give you more uh, more things to work on.
2: Yeah, they had a pretty interesting stack. Um, so they have uh, what they call a minimal desktop app uh, that they're using Electron uh, to to build that with. Um, but they're also using uh, Babel, Webpack, uh, React, and Less. Um, so it's uh, that's where all I guess all the Node.js stuff comes in is uh, is building the uh, the front end.
0: One awesome thing. Uh... I noticed on their on their website is there's a toggle chat feature, which uh, shows the Gitter room right on the website, which is pretty fancy. Toggle chat, let's do it. Let's hop in and say hello. I have to log in, but Uh, uh, um, forget that. (laughs) (laughs) That's really cool, and it's a three clause BSD BSD license, Um, um, and uh, yeah, check it out. It's already got uh, 1,200 stars on GitHub. And uh, plenty, plenty more to come. I'm sure. Uh, the next project we got
2: is not hosted on GitHub. It's hosted on bitbucket. Uh, Org, uh, and it's called Love. Or I, I mean, it has an umlaut uh, above the O. So is it like, Luerv? Mike would know. Lusa, something like that. Lufa. Anyways,
1: uh, I'm going to call just, it Love. I'm just making that up.
2: <laughs> yeah, so anyways, I'm, I'm just going to call it Love. Um, <laughs> right. But it's a pretty awesome framework uh, you can use to make 2D games using uh, Lua, um, right. which, you know, it, Lua, it seems to be very a very popular language amongst the... Um, I know, I know Second Life doesn't use it, but a lot of those virtual world communities and stuff, they'll, they'll use it just because, you know, it's a, it's a nice way to embed a, a programming language. Um, but, you know, I, I've always been a big fan of Lua. Um, so, you know, you can make some pretty awesome 2D games with this. And some people already have. Uh, in fact, there's one game that you should just go download right now that was made using this, um, this framework. Uh, I, I think it's called Mar Zero, Mario
1: Zero. Mario. Yeah, that's on stabyourself.net. <laughs> yes,
2: yeah. um, So anyways, it's a complete recreation of Super Mario Bros., and, you know, all the way down to the, the natural feel of how the game works. You know, you jump, you expect it to work like the, you know, the classic uh, console game, except they gave Mario a portal gun, <laughs> and they added four-player co-op to it, uh, and a bunch of other cool stuff, like they have a level editor in it. You can... They, you can put it on your own hats, um, which is you know very necessary because yeah. you know the the Mario hat gets pretty old. You you definitely want to have your own hat. Uh, but anyways, that game was created with this, and that game is awesome. So yeah, the out.
0: game itself is also open source, so that's that's awesome to know that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's so this Love is an awesome framework. You can make, as Kyle mentioned, 2D games. Uh, works on all major platforms. Even works on Android and iOS, which is uh, great too if you want to deploy your game elsewhere. And I think I don't know. Maybe maybe this is a good contender if you want to learn Lua and uh, you're more about like shipping projects. Uh, then uh, you know, make a game in Lua and uh, learn Lua that way. Plenty of uh, sort of s- really simple looking examples. Uh, and plenty of sort of open-source examples that you can sort of tweak and remix and, uh, and join the community.
2: Yeah, and it seems to be like a full, you know, full robust game framework, too. Um, you know, mouse, physics, audio, graphics, touch, math, video. They have all the all the libraries in there necessary to to help you make a full, you know, full-featured game. You don't need to do all these other... Go hunting around and stuff. It seems to be all all included.
0: Now, now that I uh, sort of... Uh, Talk more about this project. I'm really excited, actually, to, <laughs> to try it out. Yeah, it, it's
2: it's fun, too. And so, like, you know, if you're just playing around with it, um, I, I encourage you to run it without loading in a game at all, just so you can see the super toast.
0: Interesting. Which
2: they, they have a, a really fun uh, screen when there's no game, so <laughs> you should check it out.
0: One thing that's also good about this is it's it's, it's freely it's uh, you can use it freely for commercial purposes with no limitations. So uh, um, yeah, it's totally free. It's on Bitbucket uh, slash rude slash love, and uh, yeah, it's got six hundred watchers on GitHub. And uh, on who? Sorry, six hundred watchers on Bitbucket. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's got three pull requests, six, uh, 60 issues, and, uh, plenty of downloads, so.
1: It looks like most of the source is written in C++. Yeah, but. The it, framework itself, but you write the games in Lua, right?
2: Yeah,
0: definitely.
2: Right. Yeah, and, and the, the API is, is super simple, uh, you know, to access, it's, it's, it's very well laid out, and, I mean, like, literally a few lines of code can get you uh, some, some pretty advanced uh, high-level stuff in, into a game already, so it's pretty cool. Nice.
0: Next up, we've got Fling OS, uh, github.com slash Fling uh, It's an educational operating system written in C Sharp, uh, and uh, it's a, a great stepping stone from high to low level development it's also available at flingos.co.uk um and yeah i wonder sort of what's the sort of purpose of this project is it just a sort of just to learn how how you build well, an os i mean
2: how how often have you wanted to learn how to build your own os
0: like all you know, the some time days. yeah what yeah. is it mike all the time
2: yeah yeah, so, you know, if, if you don't know anything about building your own operating system, then, and, you know, and you, wanna, you want to, of course, uh, then, yeah, this, this is definitely the project for you.
0: Yeah, so they started this project in February 2014. Um, they got a roadmap, uh, sort of all the supporting, like, USB and all the crazy stuff. Um, and they're also looking... I think you can apply for internships to, uh, the, to work on this OS... For the summer of 2016.
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw that they were saying um, that. I mean, you you would think, you know, why C sharp? It's uh, it's kind of a weird language yeah. pick yeah. for building an OS. So they they claim that um, they they picked C sharp just to reduce the barrier of entry. Uh, you know, because I guess they don't want everybody to uh, jump into hardcore C Um to learn how to write their own operating system, so you know, stepping stones, baby steps, towards writing your own operating system.
0: Oh yeah, so it's not it's not that popular yet, but it's only 140 stars on GitHub. But give it a star and uh, try running it, um, and uh, it's it's got plenty of documentation, a huge community in terms of. Uh, um, Uh, let's see, you can sign up to join the community and talk to people about it and uh, maybe, you know, if you want to add your own feature to this OS, you can do it. So that was (laughs) Fling OS and we'll have a link to Fling OS uh, on uh, in our show notes.
2: Yeah, what's the uh, license on that, Vlad?
0: Oh, the license is GPL v 2 so... Cool.
1: Are are we sure it's not pronounced Flingos?
0: (laughs) Flingos. I'm going to pronounce it
1: Flingos now. Flingos. (laughs) <laughs> Sounds like a lovely snack food. <laughs> so uh, let's start again. So the next thing is called Neon. It's by an Oregon GitHub called RustBridge. Um, and you can kind of guess what the purpose is. Um, so this, uh, Dave Herman actually wrote a blog post about this, I don't know, a week or two ago, um, describing this work that he's been hacking on. Um, and the idea is to create a bridge between Rust and Node.js so you can create Rust-native components for Node, um, and it abstracts over all that stuff for you. And it seems like a lot of people are really excited about this. Just in, I don't know, a couple weeks, it's gotten 600 stars. Um, Have you looked at this, Kyle?
2: Yeah, I'm actually one of those stars and one of those people that are really excited about this. Being somebody who... um, is really awful at uh, C, and loves Node.js and loves Rust. Uh, this is like exactly the project that I need. Uh, so, like previously, you know, you would use uh, a foreign function interface, um, and there's you know a module on um, on npm uh, specifically for for doing that, uh, and where you know you you kind of do some hacky things to your Rust code to Export some functions. Um, like you add this no mangle. Uh, I don't know what they call it. Um, but any, anyways, you, you add some you add some hacky stuff to tell uh, uh, the compiler to not um, do some funny things with it, so you can, you know, access it with this foreign function interface. And it's it it works, but you know it's it's not so great. But this one uh, is seems way better. Um, uh, it's it's actually kind of cool too. So like you can you can install this uh, neon-cli uh, package, uh, and then you can run neon new to generate uh, a skeleton project. So uh, th- the documentation on this project is is pretty lacking. There's there's no guides. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really not even docs. I mean, and I think even if when you go to the docs, it says uh, hi there. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. So, I mean, I maybe I'm just not understanding. <laughs> what I'm supposed to do but um, anyways so when you, when you install a program and you generate the skeleton project that's probably more useful um, but it, it's super cool because basically you just write some Rust code uh, using Neon and you call this uh, register module macro in Rust and from that point on you just say Neon build and that will build uh, the node native add-on and you just require it like any other node module and use it uh, and so you're using, you, you know, your Rust code from within Node.js. So, I mean, that's, that's exactly what I've been looking for, and so I think this project is, is my favorite as far as this podcast is concerned. This nice. Is, this, is a, this is an awesome project.
0: Yeah, so once you install the CLI, uh, it will generate a project skeleton for you, so at least uh, sort of gives you a thing to run straight away and uh, try it out. Uh, thanks to quick notes is uh, to know is uh, you need Node before or later for this, and Rust 1.5 or later, um, and on OS 10, you'll need OS 10 10.7 or later, and also Xcode. So, uh, so but uh, it's it's a fresh project as Mike mentioned four months ago, but there's plenty of uh, sort of excitement about this, and uh, yeah, it will. Uh, Neon will protect all the, all the handles to the JavaScript heap, and uh, even uh, when they're they're allocated on the Rust stack. And uh, yeah, so it it seems to be uh, something. If you if you wanted to speed up certain parts uh, parts of your application in in JavaScript, you know, why not try and move sort of log- certain logic to Rust and uh, use it there?
2: Yeah, it sure beats writing it in C++. So I mean, that's just me. Unless you're a C++ developer, then you're probably, like, you know, cursing at me right now. But, um, I mean, if, if you're like me and you're just this lowly, not very smart JavaScript developer, not to say all of them are, but I certainly am, uh, then this, you know, using Rust makes uh, makes doing that low-level stuff a ton easier. Uh, it's It's really nice.
0: Yeah, so um, well, we'll we'll have a link to uh, Rust Bridge. Uh, you can go to GitHub.com slash Rust Bridge, and there's already several projects there uh, that have to do with the abstracting the uh, the Node.js modules. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about the
2: organization itself because I mean, it seems to be set up that you know this Rust to Node.js bridge is just the first of, of many different platforms that they're uh, they're going to do. Um, you know, maybe we'll see bridges to other languages. In a similar fashion.
0: All right, that's all we've got for this podcast. Kyle, where can people (laughs) where can people find you to ask you about open source? Well, I I know
2: I usually forget to tell people this, so this time I I wrote it down. Uh, Let me find it again. You digging through? (laughs) Okay, here it is.
1: Um, Digging through literal pile of papers. No, I
2: wrote it down, so I wouldn't forget this time. Okay. Okay. Um, So you can follow me at. E F A five six capital B no wait that's my email password. <laughs> um, <laughs> mm. Okay. Well, uh, we'll have a. Uh, l-
1: let me get back to you on on what when I find it. Okay.
0: Excellent. Okay. And Mike, what about you? <laughs> uh,
1: you you can follow me on Twitter at mike taylor m i k e t a y l r. Also mike taylor same spelling. Uh, or you can just Google Mike Taylor and click on any of those links. They're all me.
0: Excellent. Okay, and I'm Vlad. You can find me at vf.io. And uh, yeah, check, our, check out our, our organization on GitHub, and if you want to suggest a project, uh, an open source project uh, for us to mention on the podcast, uh, you can do it so by opening an issue. Uh, thanks for listening to, uh, to this episode of the Open Source System Podcast, and we'll be back in the next couple of weeks.